Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey, Manny Navarro here, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. As you can see, I've got a new face alongside me today. That's Grace Rayner, my colleague from The Athletic, who uh, does a phenomenal job covering recruiting. I know you're used to turning in here uh, and, and seeing me talk about the Hurricanes, but I've been telling you guys for a while, there's going to be a lot more recruiting coverage. So I appreciate you uh, tapping in today. Uh, it's Thursday, right around 9.30 a.m. Normally, I'd be at Kane Spring practice, but... Um, you know what? It's kind of boring right now. Spring practice, Grace. I don't know how I mean, you covered Clemson for a while, but like the dog days of spring football, like I don't think you have to be there every day to uh, to sort of get a feel for what's going on with the program. I agree. And I think I think spring is obviously a great way to see the early enrollees. Um, and usually that's about it for me. I mean, I want to see the freshmen um, live and in person, but I find spring to sometimes be really repetitive. Um, so I can't, I can't say that I blame you on that one. And there's so many guys that are always out with injuries, like healing yes. surgeries. Like this is the time of year where yes, you get to see a lot of freshmen, but Mario Cristobal doesn't exactly open the door for us. We got like 15 minutes of viewing time. I don't know what it was like with Dabo when you were out there on the regular, but like, I'm sure he didn't let you guys watch all of practice. <laughs> we there's been, let's see. Uh, we had, there were two practices that we got to watch start to finish um, in my whole time covering Clemson, it was actually pretty awesome. It was after the pandemic and Dabo was super nice. And he was like, I know this has been tough for y'all. Do you want to come to practice? We were like, yes. Um, but other than that, it's basically, um, you know, a couple of periods, um, some individual work, some stretching, and then we bounce on out once this, once it gets good. Well, I mean, look, we, we both know what it's like to cover a college program. You've been around one of the best in college football for a long time now. I've been around a program that used to be really good back when I was a kid and hasn't been in a long time. So we have both perspectives from that angle, but you and I do a ton of recruiting stuff now for the athletic and you do phenomenal work. And I just, I wanted um, my listeners to know what it is that both of us are working on. Cause I feel like, you know, what we do for the athletic, there's so much that I think people don't get exposed to because it's behind a paywall. And so I'm glad that we've got this YouTube page um, we've got this podcast, the Wide Ride Podcast, where I can bring you on and we can talk about some of the stuff we're working on. So for those of you tuning in for the traditional Miami Hurricanes coverage, not today, it's going to be a recruiting show. I told you that would be coming. So, But I wanted to bring Grace on because both of us have been at Under Armour Combines. Uh, it is March. This is the sort of spring visit time for a lot of these recruits, the guys that we cover. Um, they're participating in Combines. They're doing seven-on-seven seven work. Um, they're doing junior days. And I feel like you and I, you know, we got a chance to really see a lot of the best players in the southeastern part of the United States. I went to Bradenton IMG Academy for their sort of private camp with all the IMG kids. We know there's so many kids that come out of that program every year. I was in Orlando last weekend. You were in Atlanta two weekends ago. 
um, got to speak to like five star running back Cameron Davis. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of different people um, from the Georgia, South Carolina, you know, sort of the southeast area that it doesn't necessarily include Florida. So I think it's really cool that we kind of do this podcast and just talk about some of the things that we're covering. You did a great story this week, actually, on Wake Forest and their sort of quarterback recruiting. Um, a lot of quarterback conversations sort of going on now. I, I looked this up last night, Grace. 24 Power 5 teams already have a 2024 quarterback committed, which is kind of nuts because it's like, yeah. how many months are we away from signing day? Seriously. Yeah. But, but there's a lot of guys that, that have committed and sort of pulled the trigger already, and there's going to be more of that here in sort of the weeks and months ahead because quarterbacks usually are the first to commit. Um, you know, programs want them to help them recruit other players as part of the class. So we're going to get into a lot of that. I'm sort of teasing the, the, uh, the whole show here for us. But I want to start off with sort of a deep question, because like I said earlier, you and I have been um, covering this for a while now, uh, recruiting. And, you know, we, we listen to Ari and Mitch, our two colleagues at The Athletic. They do a fabulous job with, with Stars Matter. I really enjoy their podcast. I think their debates are awesome. They but are. I wanna, I, their I kinda want is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. I love I love the way Ari just sort of bites back at Mitch, who's his boss, by the way. Right. Like, you know, he should. <laughs> it's kind of that whole interesting dynamic of a boss of uh, reporter type thing. But, you know, it, it's really entertaining. Yeah. Ari is one of a kind. I uh, I aspire to be um, <laughs> like I would I want to have Ari's confidence. He's he's amazing. He is. Uh, he's really entertaining, really engaging and fun guy and uh, really good at his job as well. And, and so. Sure. I'm glad we get a chance to work with those guys. Um, all right. I want to get into sort of a deep dive question with you because we've been at this, like I said, for a long time in terms of covering recruiting in college football. Um, should we still care about recruiting rankings the way we used to, considering how much the transfer portal affects recruiting now? I'll, I'll just sort of throw the question out there and we'll take it wherever you want to go. I mean, I think we have to look at it a little bit differently, right? I mean, now we have, even when we evaluate classes with 24-7, we have an overall ranking, which is transfers included, and then a composite ranking, which is high school students only. So I'm more interested in the composite ranking just as as someone who's who's covering the day-to-day of the, of the high school kids. Um, but for sure, it's different. And I think there's an argument to be made that, of course, well, transfer portal recruiting is still recruiting. I think it's a lot different, though. We're looking at we're in the era of NIL now. People who are transferring are looking for different things than they were when they were in high school students. So I don't I don't know. I personally am still interested in the composite one. And I think that I'll identify whether or not someone is it's a quote unquote good recruiter based on more of the composite than overall. Um, but I don't know. I'm thinking about Notre Dame getting Sam Hartman. I mean, that, that that's something that that you have to weigh. So yeah, I think it's fluid. Yeah. I I mean, I think obviously nowadays we have to sort of, I I think what two, four, seven does with, like you said, combining the transfer and and the high school recruiting classes, you have to think that way because recruiting is no longer just whatever you do with your high school players and how you develop them, especially with how many kids leave now after one or two years, right? Like it just, it almost becomes moot where you go back and you look at a, like a 2021 recruiting class and you almost have to do, well, is that guy still in the program? Is he still even here? Sure. So, like, I don't think any of these rankings really have lasting power, whereas when I first started doing this in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, like, the the last two weeks before signing day were crazy because kids were taking their OVs and we were all worried. Now it's like we pay so much more attention to recruiting. Like I said, we're in March. We already have 24 quarterbacks committed, quote-unquote, locked in the programs. And, like, the news cycle is just 
365 days a year with this. And, you know, you could feel really good about a program in March, April, May and June, and then their season occurs and their whole class falls apart and guys are going elsewhere. And even guys that they recruited in the previous class classes are going elsewhere. So I think we do have to change our overall perspective on, you know, team rankings. I would say grace and you, you agree to disagree with me. I think almost the average player ranking matters more than the team ranking. Yes. I, cause right now I think, and I think we, I think I got a mailbag question about this. Right now, the way that the team rankings are weighed, a lot of it is just dependent on how many guys you have. And so mm-hmm. a kid, so you look sometimes and you might think, oh, my class is so behind because we're out of the top 25. Well, it's probably because you don't have as many commits right now uh, in what, March, um, than, than some other people do as we creep towards December. So yes, I think the best way to evaluate just consistent recruiting over time is the quality of your player. What is your average player rating over a span of, you know, what have you, five years? Is it getting better? <laughs> is it getting mm-hmm. worse? Um, so yeah, I'm with you. Cause right now it's just, it's, it's, it's weighted so much with just how many guys you have. And of course you cover a program or, or have covered a program and Clemson that really hasn't utilized the transfer portal. Sure. So, so it's sort of like, you have to ask yourself the question is Dabo really still recruiting at an elite level like he was when he was winning championships or have they fallen off? And the only reason why maybe they're still ranked very high is because the number of high school kids, like you said, that they recruit every single year, whereas a Florida state they're ranked in the, in the low teens, right. in a lot of these team rankings, but they've taken on so many transfer portal guys that that affects it. But, but it's funny to me how grace, it really affects perception of the job that these coaches are doing. Right. Cause we, the easy thing is just flip in and and, and go to, you know, two, four, seven, look at the team rankings and say like, okay, well, Clemson's still in the top 10 and Florida state isn't the reality is right. Like, the, the real payday to me, the real measuring stake is the NFL. It's how many guys do you consistently totally. put in the NFL year to year to year? That's the kind of job that you can judge a coach doing. And I just think it's an interesting debate for us to sort of start with, because, you know, while we cover this, it's almost like we need to have a baseline thought, like how, how much should we really invest in the team rankings or should we be much more about the overall uh, process when we, when we judge recruiting and we judge how people are doing their job? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking now Clemson's average player rating is for the class of 2023 was 90.78 Florida States was 89.81 um so that's almost that's about a full point difference so mm-hmm. um and I and I know we, we you know we use the compo- the 24/7 sports composite which brings mm-hmm. in of course all of the services but yeah I think I look at player rating um I look at player rating I think more than I have ever before and then I'm curious about certain recruiters with certain positions is, you know, as someone cleaning up on the D line is, I mean, you know, we have different schools that are better at different things. Well, well, I would make the argument for like Florida state, like, yes, they're a full point behind, but they also brought in Jared verse right through the transfer portal. And they they also brought in Jordan (laughs) Travis through the transfer portal. Like I guess the whole point is the evaluation of what we do now and, and I think the overall perception for the fans who just, like I said, just look at recruiting rankings, it's a much deeper discussion for now sure. than it used to be. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, you could look at a team recruiting ranking because there wasn't the transfer portal. There wasn't yeah. NIL. There wasn't. Um, and you could say, OK, this is much easier to sort of judge. But I think in the last five years, we have to just all come to terms with, hey, it's much deeper than than whatever your team is, quote unquote, ranked. I mean, honestly, I think you could take any number and make any argument like there are so many statistics now that we have with recruiting whether it's 
composite overall average player rating, team rating, team rating over five years, uh, how you're doing in certain states. Like, I feel like there's just so much data now you could make an argument for, for almost anything just based on whatever yeah. numbers you're inclined to, to use. But for us, I, I do think rating is the one that, that gives you the most quality look. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to, I want us to talk a little bit about what we were able to see in Bradenton, Atlanta, Orlando. Um, we're going to get into that in, in a minute, but when we talk about the combine process, I don't know, I, I kind of want to share sort of personal experiences here because when I was in Orlando, like in that hot sun for eight hours for this camp, like I was melting, I was dying. I don't know <laughs> what the weather conditions were like for you, but I want to sort of paint the picture of what these combines and these camps are actually like. Like, I don't, I don't, obviously the public doesn't really get, unless they have a, a son that's participating in this or like a nephew or like a family member who's participating in this camp. Most people don't know how this operates. It's first of all, it's not in Indianapolis, like the NFL combine. There's not a bunch of college <laughs> programs out there. It's these, there's like two or 300 kids out there that usually come with their seven on seven coach or some like high school assistant coach, or if their parents are around to take them, it's on a Sunday. Uh, traditionally in these, these camps, um, I know Bradenton was on a, on a Thursday night, but like it's, it's super hot. It's, you know, they're all wearing black shirts in this blazing hot sun. Like they're all wearing these dark shirts <laughs> and, and I don't know, like to me, Look, it's sort of like AAU basketball, right? I think in a lot of ways, AAU basketball allows you to sort of watch players and judge them because they're they're all on the same court, they're all on the same using the same ball. Like you could see sure. who the best players are, and they sort of weed themselves out. Football is such a different animal. First of all, a lot of the a lot of the best players, like by the time they're seniors, they're not participating in these camps, right? Like they've already made the name for themselves. They don't need to participate in any one-on-one drills or run the 40 or do any of that kind of stuff. So when you and I report off these camps and we say these were the best players, like, I don't know, at least for me, like being in Orlando, there were a lot of guys who were just spectators, like Jeremiah Smith, who's the five-star receiver from Hollywood, Shaman, Jojo Trader. Like they were there to support their buddies and to watch. They weren't there to like go through any of these combines uh, type things. So I guess I first kind of wanted to go off of just what your experience was like in Atlanta. What was that like when you got there? Can you describe like the testing, like everything that you saw? And I'll share my my side of what I experienced. Sure. Um, so ours was indoors, which was the first for me. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out Carrollton High School. They had <laughs> like college level facilities. I was floored at just how how nice this is. Joey King, Trevor Lawrence's high school coach, is now the coach at Carrollton. Um, and that's where Julian Lewis, um, the big quarterback in 2026, he goes. Um so, yeah, I mean, we get there and uh, like you said, I mean, usually I go to the ones in Florida and it's so hot and I, I've i learned now to pack for these things like I would as if I was going on a hike, like a banana, water, sunscreen, granola bar, comfortable shoes, like it's an outdoor physical outing. Um, but yeah, we got there and they sort of split them up into different groups. So the linemen were in the morning. And then I believe they had running backs and uh, linebackers in session two and then quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, DBs in session three. Um, so they all line up. I, I assume they get, you know, height and weight measurements. Um, and at, at this point, we were just kind of grabbing as many kids as possible to chat with them before they went in. Um, and then it's I, f- I feel like and I'm sure you can attest to this, too. Like you have to have a plan going into this because there are 300 people just running around at all at all yeah. times. Um, I, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't able to spot their numbers 
um, on the back of their jerseys just to help get my bearing. So it is chaotic, um, but it's just, I think it's super enlightening and, and super helpful and, and a cool thing for these kids to do. Like you said, if you're underdeveloped, it's a great way to get noticed. If you're sort of under the radar, if you're a five-star, this is sort of the rite of passage that, that you get as Under Armour is, you know, whining and dining you, if you will. Yeah. I mean, really, this is I, what they've said. And, and I forget the name of the camp director. He does all of them and they do the uh, the underclassmen report for ESPN and they use all, a lot of this information. But ultimately, it is sort of a combine slash camp um, event like they, they like you said, they line up, they get in there. The linemen go first. They do. They measure their wingspan. They like do the height, weight. Um, they do the vertical testing. Um the 40 yard dash, they, they have, they do sort of the three cone drill, you know, to sort of see like their bend and everything else. And then they go through sort of position drills um, where they're recording all of that. They're sort of recording the data. Um, when I was at the one in, at IMG Academy, they actually put on like, um, I forget what the, the name of those vests are that measure all of their, um, the way their body sort of reacting to the workouts. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they, they have all kinds of high tech technology. And then ultimately what they do with this is they share it with the universities, yep. the, the people who pay for the information, which is the majority. I think they said 109 or 110 um, FBS programs and, and yeah. FCS programs actually pay for the data, um, which helps them, obviously, you know, for recruiting purposes. Um, but, you know, all, they get all this data and then they do the one on one drills. And they do, you know, receivers will go against DBs. The quarterbacks will go, you know, be throwing passes to the running backs who are, who are going up against the linebackers in coverage. So there's a whole lot of film and information. But and, and you know, all the guys who do the recruiting rankings are out there. The rivals, oh, yeah. the on threes, the two, four sevens. But it's like I, Andrew Ivins, who's become sort of a friend of mine here working out oh, of South great. Florida. And he does yeah. and he does all the rankings. I, I said to him flatly, I'm like, dude, I don't. I don't know how you do this. Like, I don't yeah. to watch that many kids and to be able to put together a rankings list. I will say this, Grace, and, and, and you can agree or disagree with me or just give me your thoughts on it. But like when, when you're out there, I think the creme de la creme kind of separates themselves pretty easily. Right. Like you could tell who the five star and four star yeah. caliber talents are compared to everybody else. Is it, is it come out easy for you too? And like, how do you sort of notice like right away? Okay. This, this is a dude, right? <laughs> for sure. I mean, I'm with you. I have so much respect for Andrew Ivins and just the way that, that they handle all of those things. But yeah, I mean, I think there's just something to be said about, first of all, just seeing someone in person, seeing someone's size and, you know, you can see that when we see their, their little thumbnail on two, four, seven arrivals, we don't, we're not seeing their entire body, if you will. We're just seeing, you know, a headshot. So just seeing someone live, seeing their size and speed live, I think is really helpful. Um, even though it's not, obviously the quarterbacks are, you know, they're not being pressured. There's no tackle right. in the situation. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I think it's good to get your eyes on, on quarterbacks, throwing balls and, you know, receivers in one-on-one -on -one drills. You can just, you can just kind of tell it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to say, oh, this kid looks faster than everyone else or, oh, this kid is mm -hmm. bigger than everyone else. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think you can, can sort of tell, and, and maybe we're predisposed because we know, Hey, that kid's a five-star let's, uh, right. let's keep our eyes on it. But yeah, I, I think the cream rises to the top. Yeah. I think it's interesting. And, and really now that I've gone to these now for a couple of years, as you have as well, I feel like really for me, when I go to these camps, it's good for sort of telling like the sophomores and freshmen, right? Like you can start totally. to see 
already who's separating themselves in the next couple of classes. But as oh, far yeah. but as far as like the guys who are going to be seniors, there's really not a lot that separates like all the three stars. Like they they all sort of look the same, right? Like you can tell who the, who the superstars are, but like once you get to the three stars, which to me is really the most interesting thing of all this because Ultimately, it's on the college football coaches, right, at these programs to see what separates the three stars. Those are the guys that make all the difference sure. in whether or not they win on Saturdays. And, and that, that brings me to sort of like the other big question I wanted to talk about, which is, is this really the best way to tell who the best players are? Is it simply measurables? Is it seeing these one-on-one battles? Going back to that AAU basketball thing, like so many of these football players will never face each other, right? Like maybe on seven on seven, but like the linemen, like this is it. Like when you go to these UA camps, this is probably the only time you're going to see some of the best offensive linemen face some of the best defensive linemen. So I guess my question to you is grace, like in your opinion, how helpful do you think these camps really are? And in your experience, what would you say helps these, you know, the Dabo Sweeney's find the three stars and four stars that are really special. And, and yeah. can be difference makers. I mean, I think, and I, I'm curious to see what you think about this too. I, I mean, I still think high school film and, and going to games is number one, far and away the best way to evaluate someone. Um, but I think this is, it's good for exposure. It's good to, again, see a kid live, get his actual measurements. I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, it's, I think it only helps, but I, I don't think it's like the end all be all right. Like we, we saw you, you know, dominate in, in a non-contact camp. Um, it's kind of like the NFL combine to me a little bit, you know, we, Mm -hmm. I didn't need to see Isaiah Simmons run the 40 to know at the NFL combine to know he was extremely fast. Um, what he did was so impressive that year. And I think it only got him more attention, but it didn't, it didn't teach me anything new. The new thing being, wow, that guy's fast. So, um, I think it's one of those environments that can only help you because it is, it is pretty low pressure. Um, and gets you some exposure. But I still think if I'm a high school coach, I want to, I want to see you on Friday night. Yeah. You want to see the film. And I would, and I would venture to say like, to me in in all my experiences, it's really more about intelligence, right? Like how fast can you play when the lights are on? How fast can you react and pick up a system? Um, But in terms, like you said, of measurements and being able to like, just test guys, I do think there's an importance to it. Like, I do think it's important for a lot of these high school kids to just get their, information out there because these colleges want to know this stuff and it helps you get recruited more. So I think from an individual perspective, like for a lot of these high school kids who might be listening to this, I would tell you, yes, definitely try to earn an invite to these combines and to go to these camps because having that information like in one database, I imagine makes it really easy for college coaches to find you and locate what they want to know about you. Now, as far as you know, whether or not Dabo and Mario and and all these coaches can turn (laughs) you into a star and you know, how, how do they sort of determine that? That's the mystery to me. Like, I, I like just like the NFL combine, like we have this discussion about NFL players, right? Like, oh, everybody goes to the combine. They all test great. And then only a few of these guys really pan out and become stars. What, what makes a recruiter great, Grace, is just being able to identify certain traits that they know is going to translate to the next level. And I don't know how they do it. Like, there's just a magic. There's like right. some sort of magical way that these guys are just good at it right like obviously Nick Saban he's got a bunch of stars like when you load up on talent it's easy but to me it's the guys like Luke Fickle right when he was at Cincinnati totally how do you find the those three stars and 
And I think for, for everybody outside of, you know, Ohio State, Alabama and Georgia, that's the challenge, right? It's just being totally. able to, to evaluate these guys on a level that others can't. And, you know, I, I can draw my experience from talking to Butch Davis. I, I don't know. You know, you, you've spoken to a lot of college coaches, too. One thing Butch Davis told me is he really likes guys who play multiple sports. I was just like, about to say that. Yep. You're about to say that, too. Yes. Like, like, I really do think there is something to the competitive nature. Like, how competitive is that guy? Not just in football, but running a 40 yard dash. Yeah. Um, you know, winning, winning a drill one-on-one like those, that to me might be the magic intangible, right. When it, when it comes to finding these special athletes that don't have maybe all the measurables that you want, but it's, but they have that special ingredient. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think Dabo has talked about this a lot that we're in this uh, era where so many kids are specializing and he, he likes the exact opposite. Like I know Clemson off a lot of Clemson offensive linemen, wrestlers like they love offensive linemen who wrestled um so yeah i think that's a huge part of it is is the other sports component um i think these settings the under armor events the combines are also a good way to just see how these guys interact with you know with teammate uh, teammates these are not necessarily their high school teammates but just being in this setting i think is is useful but um that's the magic stuff right i feel like anytime <laughs> you ask if we ever ask a Luke Fickle or a Dabo Sweeney, okay, tell me your secret, then the whole country's going to know. So right. I don't know, but they, they should bottle it up and, and sell it one day <laughs> when they retire. But um, that seems to be the the key of what, what separates the guys that are, like you said, not Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, but are competing with them on that level. Now, I will say, I think Mario's philosophy and Nick Saban's philosophy of, you know, recruit the biggest, fastest, strongest guys like that that's sort of like the one way you can go about this totally. and, and just always have success, right? Like if you have enough of those guys and you find enough of them that are competitive, if, you, if you've got the biggest guy on the field, usually you're going to win. But I, I think what we, we, we do in our profession, writing about these athletes that sort of come out of nowhere, right? These, these three star guys that are ranked in the two thousands or guys that are two stars or unranked, like that's the stuff that always sort of, for me as a sports writer, like I'm always intrigued by like, how did they find this guy? Like, how did totally. they, bring this out in this player. And, and those are the stories that I think, you know, we all love and we all love to see, but going to these combines, getting a chance to see these kids work out in person. It's like you said, it's a, it's a different sort of experience to see what they go through. Um, and, and I don't know, there's, you obviously spoke to a lot of interesting people. I want to get into what, you know, the people you spoke with in Atlanta. Um, I'll share some of what I got from, from Bradenton and, and Orlando, but let's start with Atlanta and, and where you were at, because Georgia's become a hotbed for quarterbacks. Like there's so many good ones that yeah. come out of come out of that area every single year now. Um, who are some of the guys that really stood out from, from a quarterback perspective? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's really young, but but Julian Lewis won the accuracy award. I think he's we all our coworker, Audrey Snyder, um, she wrote a story about him when he was 14. And I, I think that's going to end up being the smartest article of her career. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just think that he's just talking with um, his high school coach, Joey King, just, I mean, he's a freshman and already towards the top, top of mind for a lot of people. Um, so, but I didn't talk with him as much just because, you know, we've, we got a little bit of time on that one, but um, Aaron Nolan was there. I think he's a really interesting one. I know you've talked to him, Manny. Um, he'll mm-hmm. be in Clemson this weekend. He does. I don't think he has a Clemson offer yet. Um, 
I would imagine that that's, you know, probably something he's optimistic about coming soon. He was saying that with Clemson and Ohio state, he thinks hopefully both of those will come soon. I thought he looked great. Um, Maybe he just commanded my attention a little bit more because he is lefty in the way that the quarterbacks were angled. Like I just had a better, (laughs) a better view of, of the way he threw, but I thought he looked really good. Uh, Jake Merklinger was there. He's from Savannah. Um, I believe he visited UNC last week and is going to be heading up to Michigan State on the weekend of the 18th. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Georgia's become if that, if I'm a college coach, that's what I'm doing, first and foremost. Like, just give me a quarterback from Georgia. Like, I feel like I can win <laughs> the way I need to win if I have a quarterback from Georgia. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, of course, came from there. Deshaun Watson uh, there out of, out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. Um, you know, in Florida, it, it's funny, like I, I think back to all the quarterbacks that I've covered in the in the 20 years I've been, you know, covering high school football and college football in this area. And it there's not as many special guys. Like Teddy Bridgewater to me is one of them that, that's come out of South Florida. Um, that I that I think about. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's got so sure. much attention now. But really, like when I think back to when they were playing the quarterback position in high school, like it wasn't like everybody was talking about them the way they do now. Um, you know, like they, like they do about quarterbacks, like Dylan Rayola, obviously, who's who's got everybody's attention sure. after his USC visit. Um, I just feel like it was a different time, and and the quarterbacks that have come out of Florida. I mean, I watched Tim Tebow; he was playing defensive tackle, right? Lamar Jackson was beating people with his legs mostly in high school. Um, you know, like to me, the development of quarterbacks is sort of interesting. I think sometimes the best ones don't necessarily star at the high school level. And, sure. you know, you know, Max Olson, who um, I think has done a phenomenal job writing about quarterback recruiting. He had a great story last month on how I think he said 70 percent of like the blue chip or the top 50 quarterbacks in the last five or six classes have transferred now. So like even wow, even yeah. even. Yeah, like even 70, recruiting seventy percent, like a lot. even the ones that do end up going or picking your school, like the odds that they're going to stay there for all four years, there's there's a much better chance now they're going to end up somewhere else. So like recruiting the quarterback position is really really interesting. I, I just think with all the movement, it's almost like you have to be recruiting both a transfer quarterback and a high school quarterback every cycle sure. now. Yeah, I mean, and I think too, and this was something that Ari wrote about a couple of years ago. It's it's like do you intentionally recruit a backup um, and where you try to stack your, your quarterback recruiting to where you get your five-star every two years, or do you just try to stockpile as much talent as possible, which is what I think most teams do understanding that you're, you're going to be up against the transfer portal. I think that part of it is so fascinating too. I mean, this was when I was covering Clemson and I think at that point they had recruited back to back to back um, Hunter Johnson, a five-star, Trevor Lawrence, a five-star, and then DJU was coming in a five, you know, so I don't know. It's, it, it's, that that's a logistics game as well. Yeah, it really is. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, when I was, uh, obviously, when they were at IMG Academy, they, they actually have a uh, top 15 ranked quarterback. I have my notes here on my other computer screen, so I, I apologize for looking off camera here for a minute, <laughs> but I got all these notes. And, and um, so the quarterback is Jaden Bradford, uh, from IMG Academy, six foot, 185 pounds. Uh, he is a top 200 ranked player right now. I remember from from talking to him. Uh, I know Penn State is a school that he's looking at. Uh, I know UAB, um, you know, who has Trent Dilfer now, right, as as their head coach. He, that's a program he's looking at as well. Um, you know, I watched him throw the football a little bit. Really wasn't doing a ton of throwing because again, this was sort of like a private workout just for IMG kids. Um, but you know, again, like he's a talent, right? Like, uh, a four-star kid, Cincinnati, South Carolina is another school involved. Syracuse is another school involved. I think Cincinnati and Penn state are, is really what he's looking at. These, those are the two schools he has the best relationships with. And then the quarterbacks in Orlando, I got a chance to watch Colin Hurley. Um, he's an LSU commitment. Colin's actually a really interesting story because he's, he's moved up a class. Um, he was actually supposed to be part of the 2025 class. And so when he gets to LSU, he's only going to be 17, so yeah. 17 years old. Um, but he won the accuracy award in Orlando. And there were some other good guys that were there um, that participated. Um, one of them actually is, is an unranked. One of the kids who, who won the MVP award um, was unranked. He's a kid out of the Tampa area, goes to, to Wharton High School. I'm going through my notes here, so I apologize. I'm like flipping. No, I love that. I've got. But uh, I wanted to mention him because I was like, wow, this is an unranked dude, which, yeah. again, I think I think more than anything, like people should know, like the evaluation process and the rankings, like it's obviously going to change a lot from now to December. But this is sure. the kind of kid that that could certainly, um, I think, move up in the rankings ahead. Um, Jeff Blake was uh, the former NFL quarterback, was was going uh, was watching them compete. His name's Jackson Jensen. Um Again, unranked, he and Cedric Bailey from Hollywood Chaminade were the two quarterback MVPs. Um, I think he said Ole Miss, Arizona, Penn State, Toledo, and Rhode Island are the schools he's looking at. Um, Rhode again, Island. Yeah, Rhode Island. So it shows you the wide range for these yeah. quarterbacks, right, like uh, of where they could end up going. Um, were there? Uh, let's talk about some other positions. Um, what were some more takeaways maybe from some, some other offensive guys you ran into uh, in Atlanta? Um, uh, we had, uh, Mike Matthews there. He's going to be taking an official to USC. And I thought that was interesting because that is the only one that he has locked in right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought the most interesting, I'm also looking at my notes right now, but yeah. <laughs> I thought the, the most interesting interview we had, um, was with Cam Davis, the Florida state running back commit. He's a five-star. He committed two years ago, um, as a freshman, which I think is a general rule of thumb, the earlier a kid commits, the harder it is to hang on to him. Um, and he was, he was, um, he said he was solid in his commitment. Um, but he's exploring, he's going to go see Colorado. He's going to see Tennessee. He's going to see LSU. He knows he wants to take an official to Colorado. 
um, in addition to one of his officials to Tallahassee. I believe he'll be in Tallahassee this weekend. That's what he told us a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, recruiting is very fluid, but as of two weeks ago, he was going to be in Tallahassee this weekend. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just think that's such a crucial, crucial commit for Florida State to try to hang on to. I mean, just given the way they, I think that we talked about this earlier, they recruited the portal so well, but I think the big question with FSU now is, all right, what can you do at the high school level? Um, and I just, I don't, I, I don't know when this one's going to be over, but it seems like they've, they've got some time ahead of them with, uh, with Cam Davis. Yeah. I, I want to get into Florida state in a couple of minutes, a little bit more because they are, they do have the fourth ranked recruiting class right now. I know it's early, but considering as we discussed, they were sort of in the high teens um, in the last couple of years that Mike Norville has been there. I mean, they're ranked fourth right now. I think they're doing a really good job of, of landing commitments early. I think the philosophy you know, I was at the coaching convention, so I got a chance to to talk to a few of the, of their folks that were there, including from the recruiting department. Like, I think the transfer portal was sort of the way Norvell was going early on because he had to change sort of just every, change the roster, really flip sure. it. Um, but I think now it's a much heavier concentration for Florida State in terms of of high school recruits, right? And and building a foundation and getting really good players to come to the program um, at the high school level. So I think they're sort of transitioning, but you know, they've got nine commits so far. You look at the top five, number one, Georgia, number two, LSU, number three, Notre Dame, four, Florida state, five, Michigan, um, Texas tech, you know, they've kind of, they've done a good job. I think the last couple of years, they're sixth, um, Alabama and Florida are 11th and 12th. Clemson is 10th, Tennessee, ninth, Oregon, eight and South Carolina seven. So that's your top 12 right now. But I, one of my takeaways from, from at least the Florida, um, UA camp is really, I think the way Florida state has changed its perception just in the last couple of years. Mm. I mean, winning, winning the 10 games, I think Alex Atkins, who's their offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. He's sort of, to me, he's one of the hotter names in coaching right now. He's really, I think built some really good relationships. I got a chance to meet Alex at the coaching combine. And I got to say from just talking to a lot of these Florida kids, they really like him a lot. I, I, I guess when you were having some conversations, were there any coaches that stood out to you, you know, names of, of, of assistants or just programs that you see sort of rising the way Florida state was? Oh, that's a really good question. I know I, I kind of came out of left field with that one. So I apologize. No, no it's okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, we had a lot of talk about, because there were a lot of, of course, being in Atlanta, um, there was a lot of questions about just Georgia's transition um, with mm-hmm. coach Bobo coming in and, Actually, I was surprised. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Mike Matthews, the five-star, who said that he hadn't talked to him yet. And I thought that that was a little strange. I mean, I know the transition just happened, but I thought that was a little, a little bit strange. Like, okay, hey, this is uh, someone that maybe I would be talking to a lot. Um, Tennessee got some love. I'm looking through this now. It looks like Tennessee's staff uh, texted Mike Matthews before every basketball game. Um Garrett Riley, I think, is going to be an interesting one to monitor at Clemson just because we've seen what he can do in terms of uh, developing some of these under-the-radar prospects that I think is has become Clemson's forte. So I think that's going to be a really nice match there. Um, but And then the other one that came up was um, Chip Lindsey at UNC, just uh, that new offensive coordinator position being open with Phil Longo leaving. Um, but I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, we I feel like we could do a whole – Oh, We've yeah. done we, so many we, stories on recruiting confidential. Totally. And, we could do yes. one on assistance only. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and, and learn so much. Yeah. I, I just wanted to kind of give him a shout out because I feel like 
he's really changed, helped FSU change the narrative. Like Norvell, obviously winning 10 games helps, but I think Alex Atkins is just one of those coaches that when I talk to a lot of the linemen, um, like he just, he, everybody just kept raving about him. I love coach Atkins. I love, and like, and that's obviously such an important aspect to teams winning, right? It's Hold the on. offensive line. Like if you don't, I mean, you could have a bunch of playmakers and a great quarterback, but um, as, as we know, like you gotta have the dudes up front. And, and so I, I brought it up for that reason. One, one kid who is a dude up front that I wanted to talk about a little bit was Jason Zandamela. Um, he's a kid out of Clearwater Central Catholic who actually moved here, Grace, from Mozambique um, a couple oh, wow. years ago. And he was a rugby player in Mozambique. His English is awesome, by the way. Like, other than the accent, like you, it's not like you have a, a, a language barrier at all talking with, with somebody from Mozambique. Like, he, he did a great job. Like, I told him, like, man, your English is awesome for a dude who's only been here for a couple of years. And he's like, no, 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 we, we speak a whole lot of English back home. And I was like, all right, well, that, that explains it. But, um, but really good. Um, you know, football player. Uh, he's sort of like a, a center interior offensive lineman. Um, he just phenomenal job in one-on-ones. I think he got beat once out of the six drills that I saw him go through, um, Florida state, he's going to be there this coming weekend. They have legacy weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got a six foot, 10 inch wingspan, squats, you know, front squats, 365 pounds. His feet are just ridiculously good. Um, he's going to go to spring games at USC and Oklahoma. And he did, he was the one sort of participant at the Orlando camp who earned themselves a, uh, invite to, um, the Under Armour game in Orlando. Game. So, yeah. Nice. So, uh, definitely somebody for, for us to watch, I think in, sure. in, in the, in the weeks and months ahead, like I said, he, he also plans to go to Penn state and Miami. So, uh, Mario Cristobal have a chance, but I think right now, Alex Atkins in Florida state, um, they're just doing a really, really good job and, and they deserve credit for, for the classes, uh, that, that they're building here in the years to come. Um, all right. I want us to get into a story that we were a part of, um, that's on the athletic website now. And it's, I, I checked the messages on there last night. Cause like after you and I spoke on the phone, I was like, I got to see what people are saying. I haven't really looked. And there was so much anger. Like there were so many fans that were just like bitter and angry that their teams were not ranked higher on these, uh, in these rankings. But basically we ranked the 69, uh, power five schools. Yes. There's 69. Now when you, when you count the four new additions to the big 12, which is, uh, UCF, uh, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU, right? Those yep. are the four. Um, so we have 69 teams now that are quote unquote power five programs. And I don't know, like I, I wanted to talk to you about your rankings. I wanted to sort of share some of the thoughts on, on my rankings. Um, people were really upset um, that, that Colorado was ranked high as high. Like some people were not all of them, but some of the readers were upset that we, I think we had Colorado, what, like 21. Let me Is look. I'm yeah. going to pull up our rankings and then also my rankings. Okay. Um, yes. And I think the thing that I don't know, seemed to cause, I don't know if it was confusion or anger or whatever, is that this is a potential ranking based on recruiting potential and not necessarily right. like where you are right this second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado, we had at 21, the highest vote was four. The lowest vote was 35. I had them at, 25 you okay so i'm gonna admit my first maybe regret or like okay maybe i did maybe i overshot colorado <laughs> um i had i had them fourth and i know that's crazy right like i was the idiot who put them forth somebody was asking that 
multiple times inside the the discussion here on, on, <laughs> on the message thread. Like, who's the idiot that put them forth? I put them forth. And part of my thinking with this, okay, and I and I realize you had them 25th and we're, we're like on different ends of the spectrum here. Um, my experience in covering Florida recruiting, um, I've had a lot of kids, elite kids, tell me I really want Dion to call me. Yeah. And I think, look, I watched Cormani McLean, right? His recruitment pretty closely in this last yep. cycle with Miami. Yep. Um, whether or not people want to believe it, like Colorado has been really bad the last couple of years. I get it. They're not a hotbed for talent. The state of Colorado isn't great. You can make a lot of arguments why I way overranked Colorado. My thought process is if Deion Sanders does anything remotely close to what he did at Jackson State, where he wins six, seven, eight games, makes him a bowl eligible team. I really think Colorado could take off in a conference. Oh, by the way, that is losing yep. two of its premier programs in USC and, and, and UCLA. So I, I just think Dion has that it factor. And so when I, thought of this list and the way that I, that we did this, these rankings, my thought was, is there a coach in college football who is, who gives a program more potential to explode than Deion Sanders? And my answer was no. And I think there's only three, three brands that I don't think Dion could necessarily beat in a head to head battle. And that's Ohio state, Alabama, and Georgia agree yeah. or disagree that maybe there's not that many coaches that could win a head to head battle with Deion Sanders. I mean, he beat out Notre Dame for Dylan Edwards, who had him the whole time, and <laughs> and then he he flipped uh, he flipped before signing day. Obviously, Cormani. I, I think there's definitely an argument to be made that Colorado right now obviously does not have the highest floor. But if you want to talk about ceiling, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, I talked to so many kids, Cam Davis being one of them, literally two weeks ago, saying, "I want to go to Colorado. I want to." take an official there. I want to take an unofficial there. I mean, kids are interested. They're fascinated. And I think that with Dion, that's really all he has to do is get them on campus. And then from there, coach prime sort of sells himself. So I don't hate it. I mean, I know a lot of people in the comments hated it, but if we, <laughs> if we're, and I did them, I'm trying to, who did I have it? Oh, I had Oregon at four, which was also a, a controversial one. <laughs> um, there are still some brands I think that are, um, yeah, you know, obviously going to be bigger than Colorado. And, and I'm curious to see how Colorado competes in an NIL space. So I think that was a little bit of my reservation early. But um, if we're talking about just head coach recruiters, I, I think Deion Sanders is going to be a nightmare for a, a lot of sitting head coaches. Yeah, I, I really do think that this first season, if he, if they show any sort of pulse and Antonio Morales and I, Antonio, who's our USC writer, yeah. does a ton of recruiting stuff. We kind of broke down their, their recruiting class in January. You and I wrote a ton of stories about Colorado back in January as well. Um, I, I just think, you know, he's brought in some good players. I don't think the PAC 12 is particularly strong. Right. Like there's not a lot of great teams in there besides Oregon and, and Utah. And I think Dion in the next couple of years is going to get some really good players to go there. So I think, there's a potential. Look, I'm not saying they're going to win like Alabama, Ohio State, and sure. Georgia. I'm the just recruit. saying they could recruit like them, right? Yeah. The recruiting potential is there. I think, like you said, the ceiling is very, very high. And it, I think that's why I, I maybe overrank them. I probably should have had them in, outside the top 10, but I just, <laughs> that's, where I, that's where I had them because I think Dion has that potential to really 
skyrocket that program quickly, especially with the transfer portal. I, I, I think when you combine both of those elements, the transfer portal and um, the high school recruiting, I just think they could be top five. Yeah, I mean, I think that in many ways, Colorado is just getting started and we'll see. I, I don't think this is a flash in the pan situation. Like, I think he has proven that he can build. Obviously, he's he's brought a lot of big names over there already. Um, I'll be curious to see if they, I guess this is my question for you, if they do recruit like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, whatever, let's say they recruit at your, the level you're expecting them to, top five. What is their ceiling in terms of on-field performance, especially in an expanded playoff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's the possibility that in three to four years, they could be a playoff team. I think the Pac-12 is... I'm going to write this I, down. You heard it here you, first. <laughs> I do. I think I think the Pac-12, first of all, like I said, beyond Utah, USC, and Oregon, um, who already have the brand name recognition and, and recruit well, um, are there really teams in that part of the country that, you know, it's not like he's located in the Southeast and he's got Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, and, and like he's on the other coast. And so I think the potential for him to go into Texas, uh, I think the potential because of his roots in Florida, I, look, Florida, I talked I to, I, I, I talked to Winston Watkins, who's a 2025 receiver, Sammy Watkins yep. um, cousin. Yep. And like his face just lit up when he was talking about the end. They're both from Fort Myers. Like, Again, like there's so many kids, so many examples of, of kids that are like, I want to go play for Dion. Like I just I, this is the dude. And and so to me, they just they just don't have where they're located. They don't have the level of competition that maybe is on the East Coast. And so you could you, I think you could pull kids to that area to go be a part of it. That's that's my thinking behind it. I also think, too, and I know I just said I'm curious what Colorado will do in the NIL space, but one of the things that Cam Davis said, as I'm looking through my notes, that I thought was super interesting was that one of the things that he likes about Dion is the way that he's getting players more media attention and sort of putting them out there more. Yes. And I do think that that is something that Dion, I think Dion's got the ability to brand his players and, and get them out from a marketing perspective more and, and better than a lot of a lot of other head coaches because he I mean we see him on the Athlac commercial like every day like he lives this right and and I would say like with Cormani McLean covering that recruitment pretty closely yeah um that was a big selling factor for Cormani and his mom like they like the fact that they have the exposure on Amazon like I think they want yeah. their own sort of and I think think about it this way Grace like how many coaches in college football even think that way right now. Like they're all the old school mentality, right? Like Mario Cristobal is not selling, hey, come to Miami where we're going to have our own TV show. Dabo Sweeney's not doing that. Nick Saban's not doing that. Like it's, but for some of these kids who want all these other things, all these other elements, right? These other wrinkles of exposure and my brand and, and they're thinking in bigger ways um, with NIL, um, I, think, I think it's a factor. Like, and I think he's the only one really offering that now. That's fair. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. Um, all right. So I, I mentioned my my Colorado faux pas is besides Oregon. Were there any others like when you look at your rankings, my compared, rankings. To, compared to the ones that we did one through 69 as, as eight of us participated in this? Were there any others that like when you looked at it, you said, OK, wait a minute. I was like really off from what everybody else thought. I mean, I think I think I was off on a, a lot of different ones. I think I'm trying I, I think I had Texas A&M a lot lower than everyone else. Let me look. Where do we have A&M? 
So we had AM seven. Yep. Okay. That was me. I had AM at 16. Okay. Um, and Explain our- yourself, Grace. Explain <laughs> yourself. <laughs> I mean, I just have like, I, I just feel like I don't know if I can trust Texas A&M after what happened last year. Like I, okay. I they put together the greatest recruiting class ever. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely five stars galore everywhere. And it was so disastrous last year on the field that I, ju- I just have trust problems with them. And I think that obviously A&M from an NIL perspective is a really compelling, is like a really attractive option. And I'm like, like, I just felt like they were so set up. Uh, we, we, I remember like, okay, I'm rambling, but I remember at the beginning of the preseason, we did an article where we, where they asked each beat writer to make an argument for their team in the college football playoff. They selected six teams and we had to make an argument. Me covering Clemson at the time, I made an argument for Clemson. And AM was a team we made an argument for. And I just I just have trust issues with them right now. And I feel like until Jimbo Fisher can prove me wrong, I just cannot give them the benefit of the doubt right now. Well, I listen, I I still had AM in the top 10. I think I had them. Oh God, I gotta look at my list again. But but anyway, my, my point is I have doubts about AM as well because if he isn't there, right, and they gotta pay him. Uh, a big buyout, right? To get him out of there. Like if it's a failure, uh, what happens They're, You know, they're getting more competition. Texas is joining totally. the SEC this year. Oklahoma yep. is joining the SEC. Like, I think they could get phased out pretty quickly from a, Hey, we're excited about this program perspective. Hey, I want to go there perspective. You know, they need to go out and hire, I think a really big name, maybe a Deion Sanders to sort of like <laughs> salvage um, their place, right, in, uh, where, where they are. And, you know, you, you mentioned um, the number one recruiting class in the country. There are a lot of guys that have already left there, yes. right, that, that have entered the transfer portal. They have 23 guys that have left via the transfer portal. So I I tend to agree with you. I mean, look, we could, we, like you said, we can talk about these things and spin it any way we want, right? We can all make an argument for stuff. But I think you're right. I think Texas A&M is one of those programs that just had the number one class in the country, but it could come crashing down pretty quickly if Jimbo and Bobby Petrino don't get their act together. And by the way, I mentioned Bobby Petrino because when I spoke to Air Noland a couple of weeks oh, yeah. ago, uh, he mentioned Bobby Petrino as one of the coaches that he's like really excited about. So, OK, I, I, I think um I think that'll be an interesting sort of development, right? Can can Bobby Petrino bring an elite quarterback there? I know they've got Connor uh, Wiegman, the, the, the five star from from uh, the twenty twenty two cycle, in there already. But again, you got to stack quarterbacks. But I, I just I, I brought up Bobby Petrino because of Aaron Nolan. I was thinking about the quarterback position. Totally. Yeah. Um, all right. So I hope I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I don't. Do we want to tackle anything else? I mean, we've hit on a lot of the stuff that we wanted to hit on. Is there anything else that from the UA camps? Or, oh, you know what? I want to ask you about your Wake Forest story. We never got into that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's let's Hit talk me. about that because I read it last night and obviously super interesting, right? Like we talk about the challenges some of these lower tier power five schools have. And obviously um, the do- the job Dave Clausen has done to bring in quarterbacks who come in and do just get the job done, run, their, run that slow mesh offense the way that they want to. Um, I thought you had some interesting notes about the way that they study guys when they interview them, that they put them on the whiteboard. Can you talk about that a little bit and give, give our uh, listeners a little, you know, sort of insight into what you learned? Yeah. I mean, I'm super, I've always been really impressed with Dave Clawson and just the way that he has developed talent at Wake Forest, but 
Um, just looking into the way that they've developed quarterbacks, I thought was super fascinating. Basically, um, you look at Wake and they have a lot of they have a run of under recruited, sort of under the radar quarterbacks. And Wolford, uh, Sam Hartman was a three star. Jamie Newman, I think the highest um, of the three of them, and Mitch Griffiths being the next one. I think the highest ranking it was like in the five hundreds nationally. Um, and basically what Wake has done is they've said, okay, look, we're not going to beat out Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. We're just not, we're just not going to do it. So what are we willing to compromise? And that's been height for them. And I just think they've been so smart in knowing who they are, who they're, what their system is. And basically they run, they run an offense that's not asking their quarterbacks to throw over 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six linemen. Um, the way they use the RPO game and the slow mesh, it opens up sight lines and um, – I just think it's remarkable, especially with this offense sort of being born out of wakey leaks. Um, I, I just think it's remarkable what they've done. But yeah, they're not afraid to to take a smaller quarterback. Mitch Griffiths is 5'11", and, and Dave Clawson feels really good about him as being sort of the next one in this run. Um, and I just, I thought that was interesting. And that, like you said, they have him come and they, they get on the whiteboard and they talk ball with them and they, you know, he's not saying I need you to know everything right now, but I think that's a huge part of their evaluation is, you know, are you are you curious? Are you, what are your instincts like? Um, just uh, X's and O's. That's just a big part of their evaluation process. So I'm, I'm ranting now, but I, I just think Wake Forest is really smart and I really like the way that they've, they've approached that. Well, I mean, and they have to, because they're not going to attract totally. the, you know, six, five, 200 pound quarterbacks that are, that are blue chip recruits. You, you, they have to sort of recruit to what works for them. And I, I find that fascinating to me. The most interesting recruiting stories is how these teams that, that are successful find their players. Again, it kind yeah. of goes back to what we started talking about at the very beginning of this podcast. It's can you find that magic ingredient that makes these kids personally great? I think a lot of it is just football intelligence. How smart are these guys? How fast yeah. can they play and how much can they uh, combine you know, their physical gifts with with knowing the game and knowing what to do, especially the way the game is played now and wide open offenses and, you know, high tempo fast, it really challenges um, these guys to be on their P's and Q's. And so um, I just think all of that stuff is fascinating. What are you, what are you working on here in the, in the weeks ahead? What, what other projects do you got going? I can share some of mine too. Oh yeah. I have um, a CJ Spiller oral history in the works that I'm super okay. pumped about. Um just because, and I think that your Florida people will also be interested in it. Um, it's been obviously, but uh, fast math is not really my thing. Whatever 2023 minus 2006 is. Um, 17 it's been, years. Yeah. 17 <laughs> years. Perfect. It's been a minute since uh, he went through that process. And now obviously he's on Clemson staff. And I love these stories where, and I think we're going to start doing more of these, where we're looking at like the most influential recruit of a program's history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And when you, when you look at Clemson, that's un- undoubtedly Spiller. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but what about you? What do you have going on? Yeah, I, I got a couple of different things I've been working, you know, me, I'm a research dude. Like I have these like ridiculous Excel sheets with, with like info that I always like try to share with you guys. That's just uh, probably has way too much nerdy information that, that is irrelevant. Right. But I just do it because I want to <laughs> learn, like I study it, right. Like I study all this kind of stuff, but I'm doing this like recruiting geography series um, where I'm looking at all 69 um, power five teams and just what states they go into to get their players. Um, it's sort okay. of a history of that. 
of, you know, just in the last six years where they've had success, why maybe their recruiting philosophy has changed a little bit. Um, Mitch is putting together, he's using all the nerd info I gave him um, and putting together charts like for every single school. So that's something that um, here in the next couple of weeks, um, if you if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, which I hope you are, you get a chance to read if you want to, you know, because I get that question a lot in the mailbag. It's like, can you talk to me about where they're getting players from or why they're mm. recruiting cert- certain parts of the country? And I, th- and I find that kind of stuff fascinating. Right. Like, where do you look and, w- you know, where do the best players generally come from? So um, I think it's sort of just if, if you wanted that information, if you wanted to know what your school has done. Um, the last few years and which states they're getting the most of their players from. Um, I think it's, this is the, this is the story for you. This is the series for you. So uh, that'll be coming out. And then um, I have a story on Francis Maui Goa that I want to write. He's the five-star offensive tackle. In fact, today I I read from some of the reporters that were there. He was actually getting first team reps at right tackle. Wow. Um, So we'll see what happens if Francis cracks a starting lineup uh, early in the season for Miami. He's by the way, he was the guy I picked as the most impactful freshman in the ACC when we, that was, I think that's a smart pick. I really liked him. I met him at the Under Armour all American game. I thought he was really cool. Yeah. So um, it'll be, uh, there's a ton of stuff to read at the athletic. You have Ari's columns that are always great. Mitch always our editor, Mitch light always comes up with tremendous ideas and and grace and our entire staff. So if you're interested in in a lot of recruiting coverage that goes beyond uh, just where these kids looking, but feature stories and real sort of analytical breakdowns, I, uh, I hope you subscribe to the athletic and read all the work that grace myself, Ari, everybody's doing uh, with recruiting. Grace, thanks for coming on and doing this with me. I'm glad we got a chance to kind of like cover a lot of the stuff that uh, we've been working on here for the last couple of weeks uh, and that people get a chance to, uh, to check it out. Oh, yes. I love coming. You're like my big brother at the athletic. I love coming (laughs) on with you and collabing with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And Grace, Grace is unreal writer and journalist and, and uh, make sure you follow her on Twitter. If you don't already do, she does tremendous work beyond uh, just, Clemson and you know it's the whole southeast now pretty much that you're you're like all over the place man like <laughs> so so uh, I think you do great work and people should know about it oh thank you I feel likewise I feel the same way about your content my friend all right well listen I hope you all enjoyed this podcast hopefully Grace and I will be with you guys more often here uh I, like I said recruiting is 365 days a year now and uh we've got a ton of stuff we're working on interviews to do um I'm hoping we can bring some people on like bring on some recruits some coaches um do more of that kind of stuff from a from a national recruiting perspective so hopefully Wait. you guys will get a chance to see that all right Grace thanks so much yeah thank you